BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. We time meets me time, where magic meets the sea on a Disney cruise. Adults can relax and enjoy dedicated spaces designed just for them. Indulge in a massage at Census Spa or take a dip in Quiet Cove, an adult-exclusive pool. Don't worry. The kids are having some me time of their own at incredible kids' clubs. And there's amazing we time, like entertainment, imaginative dining, character encounters, and more around every corner. A magical vacation at sea awaits on Disney Cruise Line. The Danger of Deferring Satisfaction in this podcast, Eckhart talks about setting goals and deferring satisfaction. He says, for many people, the activities they're engaged in are just a means to an end. He believes they're not present in what they're doing now because they're projecting where they want to be in the future. Eckhart explains, this is a self-defeating way to live because while we may need to defer satisfaction to reach a goal, there's also an inherent danger to it. He says, after years, the pattern may become so ingrained, we no longer find satisfaction in anything we do because we're so used to deferring it. Eckhart says, we must honor whatever we are doing in the present moment. And if we give it our full attention, then it is possible to feel clarity and joy. As we sit here, check in with yourself, see um, what is your consciousness as, you, as we sit here in silence? What is your mind doing? What is the voice in the head saying or doing, if anything? And perhaps there is stillness, which is wonderful. As you might have guessed, when I sit here, I'm not thinking. And the invitation is for you to share the space of presence and as much as possible be in that state of awareness. instead of absorbed in thought. And thoughts may arise occasionally as we sit here, but you don't have to follow them with your attention, just let them go past like a cloud. The essence of all spirituality is this, to realize that inner spaciousness or stillness. In Hindu spiritual philosophy there's a term called Turiya which means the fourth, first, second, third, fourth. A state of consciousness, Turiya, the fourth, 
It divides human consciousness into dreamless sleep, the dream state, the second, the wakeful state, the third, and Tuya is the fourth state of consciousness, which is this. And compared to the so-called wakeful state, it's like if you compare the conventional wakeful state to the dream state that at night when you're dreaming, then you wake up out of the dream into the ordinary wakefulness, which is usually identification with the stream of thinking. That's, that's the normal state. So there's a huge shift. You wake up out of the dream state, and then you wake up and say, ah, and... The same thing happens again when you, you wake up out of the normal wakefulness state, the third, into the fourth, that it is again a kind of waking up again. This is why the term awake and waking up, awaken, has been used in various spiritual traditions for thousands of years. Because you wake up in the same way that you wake up out of the dream state at night into the normal wakefulness state, you, can, you wake up out of the normal state of wakefulness into the, the fourth state of awareness, pure awareness. And compared to the fourth turiya, the normal state of wakefulness is also a kind of dream. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. <laughs> so you can, you, have to, you can wake up twice out of the... First you wake up out of the, out of the conventional dream state at night into to normal wakefulness, which means identification with the stream of thinking and then there's the possibility of waking up out of that <laughs> into the fourth state of presence and that is in essence that's what it's all about and the fourth state is something that we once you have had glimpses of it you know it is very real it's not just something to speculate about or hoping that in some other lifetime you will reach the fourth state of consciousness. If you've had a glimpse of it or, or at first hand, then it's important to invite it into your life, so to speak, to, to remember to invite that into your life in ordinary daily existence. 
And in the same way that uh, there is such a thing as lucid dreaming, which means when you are asleep at night and you're dreaming, lucid dreaming means uh, you suddenly become aware that you are dreaming. So there is an awareness of the fact that you are dreaming, and that's called lucid dreaming. Sometimes it can happen just accidentally. You in the, suddenly, in the middle of the dream, you realize, oh, this is a dream. And then you're no longer really trapped in the dream, and the thought may come to you, oh, I could make anything happen because it's just a dream. Usually you wake up very soon after the awareness comes in, they are not really compatible, the dream state and the state of awareness are not really compatible. So you, you, you only have a very short space where occasionally it could happen, the lucid dreaming occurs. The awareness, if it appears in the middle of the dream, frees you from being completely trapped in the dream and believing that everything in the dream is absolutely real. So even if you're dreaming of an unpleasant place that you're trapped in, if suddenly you realize it's a dream, okay, well, it's not that bad. It's just a dream. And then you wake up. In the same way, in ordinary wakeful state, as awareness comes in, because they're not, they're not to be treated separately, when you first experience the state of presence awareness, for example, as we sit here in stillness, and you realize that your mind also becomes still, and all that's left is a sense of beingness or presence, it's quite beautiful. It, at first it may be very subtle and light and then it deepens and becomes more powerful or you realize it more deeply. It itself doesn't but you realize it more deeply and that's fine. That's those, those are glimpses and they're good, they're important. This can happen in meditation if you meditate rightly then that state of presence, awareness arises, and that is good. But the task is not to lose it in everyday life. That's a real task. Otherwise you might become a good meditator, which is fine, but the moment you move back into your ordinary life, daily life, it's gone. And you're just as unconscious as everybody else. And then after a few hours of stress and suffering, say, oh, I need to meditate again. <laughs> <laughs> they need to come together, daily life and the, the awareness, they need to come together so that you are able to experience not lucid dreaming, but lucid living. <laughs> and that is conscious living. When there is an awareness always in the background as you do things, you're engaged in activities, you can practice being present in what you do, which means you're conscious of whatever movement is happening, but you're also conscious 
of yourself as the underlying awareness. There's a, there's a presence. It's easier to practice when you are alone, not being stimulated by other people's minds. You're alone with yourself and you're not engaged with your, your devices that stimulates the thinking mind. But you're alone and perhaps you're sitting or you're walking. Then it's, that is a good place to start to bring in and presence through movement that you practice also is an important teaching that shows you that to incorporate the presence into the movement. So, and then you practice that, and then you move in your daily life. You're, you're constantly on the go. You're moving from here to there, and you bring in that awareness as while the movement happens. And a key thing here is to be present in that movement rather than make that movement into a means to an end. And that is applies to any activity that you're engaged in from the simplest thing like making a cup of tea or washing your hands or walking across the room or up the stairs and down the stairs. In ordinary con non-lucid consciousness, ordinary vacant state, mo most of the movements that people are engaged in are a means to an end. They are not present in the step they are taking now because they are mentally projecting themselves to where they want to get to. And then movement can become or easily becomes stressful and not enjoyable and it diminishes the quality of the movement there's there's no quality in what you do because it's only you want to get get it out of the way as quickly as possible many people spend their whole days wanting to get whatever they are doing out of the way as quickly as possible so that they can get to the next thing It's a horrible way to live, but it's quite normal. Always, where's the next? Okay, I'm here now. Still doing this. I don't want to be doing it, but I have to. I really want to get there. And once you're there, then you want to get out, out that out of the way. <laughs> Often, the stress is connected with that, not being able to enjoy life because life largely consists of doing and movement and you might have heard the expression to defer satisfaction now that that expression refers to a person who has a goal that the person wants to achieve which is good it's good to have goals uh, unless you're 99 years old uh, <laughs> It's good to have goals, not always in your life. There may be periods in your life, not just when you're 99. There may be periods in your life when you don't have any particular goal because life is just flowing and unfolding as it is. Um, I don't have any goals anymore. I haven't had any goals in a long time. It's just unfolding and that's fine. 
I'm happy with that. So there are time periods when goals are something that is an important part of your life as a human. And at other times, you may not need goals. So if you're younger, younger, a young person or relatively young, it's more likely that, that goals will be an important part of your life. And I don't know where young finishes these days. <laughs> uh, I don't know. <laughs> you can decide for yourself if you're young or not. <laughs> Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. So there is the expression to defer satisfaction or to postpone satisfaction, which means you have a goal and you are working hard to achieve your goal. And so you, according to this recipe for success, you do not demand satisfaction immediately. You can defer satisfaction until you reach your goal. For example, let's say you're studying to become this or that. It will take several years and your friend next door is not practicing to defer satisfaction. He or she is sitting at home, drinking, having a good time, going out to bars, while you are still at your desk studying for your exams. That is to defer satisfaction. The other guy is continuously being kind of satisfied, being unconscious probably through drinking and having sex and... Right. <laughs> Hedonistic, hedonistic pleasures, and uh, not really satisfied for long either, because th these hedonistic satisfactions are quite short-lived, and there's always discontent arises, and then they need some uh, another fix to feel satisfied again. Uh, and, the, uh, and, the, and the other guys working hard to defer satisfaction. So there is a lot of truth in that. The to, in order to succeed at something, they say, I'm not totally advocating for, for this, we've got that in a minute. This is conventional wisdom, but it's not transcendent wisdom. It's <laughs> conventional wisdom is to say you need to, def, to learn to practice, to defer satisfaction, otherwise you cannot be successful in this life. A musician, example, Long time ago, I lived in a house in London, and two floors down, there was a, a pianist, a professional pianist, young woman, and she would practice four to five hours every day. I could hear the piano. Fortunately, it was quite beautiful, so it didn't bother me. So, 
perhaps that would be called duty first satisfaction. And eventually, years later, I heard uh, her name came up, and she's very well known now. As oh, I don't know which is still active now. She, well, she must be old like myself too. But she became quite well known, famous pianist. But so was she deferring satisfaction? I don't know. We'll go there. Come get back there in a minute. There seems to be some truth in this, that you need to defer satisfaction to reach a goal. However, there is a huge danger associated with it, and the danger is that to defer satisfaction becomes a mental habit. And after several years of deferring satisfaction, a mental habit becomes established in your mind that makes it impossible for you to find satisfaction in anything because for years you have practiced deferring satisfaction that has become a deep-seated mental habit and then even when you reach a goal satisfaction may be there very briefly but you are now trapped in the mental habit of always looking for satisfaction in the next thing and, and then that is the danger of deferring satisfaction. You may succeed, but the success won't make you happy and will not bring lasting satisfaction. So that is conventional wisdom. And now transcendent wisdom is you can learn to enjoy what you are doing in the moment without reducing it to a means to an end. You know what the end, the end that you want to achieve is. Yes, you know that is the end. You want to pass your exam or get good at this or that. Fine. But in the meantime, you honor whatever it is that you are engaged in in the present moment. And you give it your fullest attention so that you don't reduce it to a means to an end. In the case of the pianist, for example, I don't know what her inner state was as she was practicing for five hours every day. Was it a stressful uh, exercise? Because was she uh, desperately wanting to become a great pianist and then I have to get there, just have to? Or perhaps, I don't know, perhaps she was able to enjoy every note, every, every moment of her practice just as much as performing in the Royal Albert Hall in London. So I don't know what her state was, but it applies to any person who is working towards a goal. I would say that to defer satisfaction is not the best recipe for success but to find satisfaction in the doing now rather than reduce it to a means to an end. To honor whatever you're engaged in now, to honor it. And if you absolutely, absolutely cannot enjoy it, then it is very probable that this is not for you. <laughs> Let's say you're studying some subject because your parents told you that you have to do that because your dad, dad had the same profession, now you have to go into it too, whatever it may be. 
I don't want to mention anything because it could be anything. Yeah. Let's myself, for example, once I was so not in touch yet with my ultimate mission and purpose in life, there was a time when I said, I have to find a job. I have to find, I need an income, I have to find a job, what, do I, what can I do? And then I tried several things. One of them was I was beginning to fill in an application form. You won't believe this. <laughs> I was beginning to fill in application form to study to become a chartered accountant. <laughs> No, there's nothing wrong with being a chartered accountant. There's some wonderful people who are chartered accountants, but I would have been the worst chartered accountant. Uh, I'm almost number dyslexic. Fortunately, for some reason, I didn't fill in the entire form. It was getting too complicated. <laughs> But if, let's just imagine if I had filled in this form and submitted it, if they had accepted me, that would have been a huge mistake on their part, uh, if they had accepted me, then I would have been studying this and I would have found it impossible to, to enjoy the, the present moment with numbers everywhere. <laughs> and I can't even, it took me years to even remember my telephone number. Uh, uh, so that would be a clear sign after a few days or so I would know this is not for me, this is impossible. So there I would recommend you to recognize that is something that is not compatible with your inner being or your true life purpose. And then I applied, <laughs> then I applied to become a university lecturer. Uh, at a university in northern England. The, they invited me to an interview and again I didn't know that that was not my path at all, at all. There were five or six professors interviewing me and I talked, they asked questions, I answered. I don't, my answers probably were not very good. And at the very last, an old professor asked me a question that brought about a small awakening as my life purpose is concerned. The last question that this professor asked me at this interview was, and what do you really want to do? <laughs> so I was, oh. And I suddenly realized this is not what I really want to do at all. So I was lucky that even before I made these mistakes, I was prevented from making these mistakes at this very early stage, accountancy, university teaching. And then I had a third interview, and that was before the interview for to become a university lecturer. That was a similar mistake to being a chartered accountant. I applied to become a merchant banker in the city of London. <laughs> If they had accepted me, the bank would not have done very well. <coughs> but surprisingly, they invited me for an interview. I had no banking background, but I had a. Uh, I was from a prestigious university, so they said, okay, we'll interview you. 
This is where at the time, many of these bankers were these bowler hats. This is how I would have ended up. <laughs> About 10 days before the interview, I started reading the Financial Times <laughs> to prepare myself, but could not retain much information. My mind just didn't go that way. And the people were not very impressed by my performance at the interview. And they said, I'm sorry, we don't have a place for you. Oh, thank God for that. <laughs> so, if you're able to enjoy the doing, then th that is the way to achieve your goal, is not to postpone satisfaction, to defer satisfaction. Find satisfaction in the doing. That is also one of the main teachings in the Bhagavad Gita, the ancient Indian scripture, one of the great books of the world. Uh, the teaching is, instead, do not look to the fruit of the action. But the fruit of the action is the outcome, the desired outcome. Do not look to the fruit of the action. But practice is called karma yoga, Karma, karma actually literally means action. Yoga means, yoga here is no, not meant in the Western sense of yoga. Uh, uh, <laughs> something else I wouldn't be good at. Uh, uh, the term yoga here is used meaning spiritual practice. So karma yoga is the spiritual practice of action. And uh, karma yoga is sometimes it's translated various translation into English as consecrated action. You, you consecrate this action to the divinity or whatever you want. You give it your complete attention. This is instead of looking to the fruit of the action, you give your complete attention to the action. You don't reduce it to a means, to an end. You honor it completely, totally. And that is karma yoga. And then the fruit will look after itself. It's very likely that the fruit will be good because the journey towards it was good. If the journey towards your goal is stressful and unpleasant, it is very unlikely that the goal will satisfy you. And so the, the end does not justify the means if the means is unpleasant. So it is very important to realize that the whatever outcome you wish to achieve depends on your state of consciousness in th this moment. That if in this moment you act unconsciously, then it is unlikely that the outcome will be good or enjoyable or make you happy or make other people happy. We'll have some questions. I, by the way, there are quite a few people joining us from other parts of the planet. I'm just going to say hello to them. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> nice to have you here or there. 
wherever you are, whatever time it is, it's the present moment, I know that. And a few people have already submitted some questions. I'm just going to read two or three questions and then perhaps some questions from you, just in case there are any questions left at this point. Uh, we don't know. Beate from Germany is asking, what reason should there be for the survival of the human race? <laughs> Let me think. <laughs> Isn't that emoji for that? It looks like this. If humanity is aligned with universal purpose, which is the evolution of consciousness, universal consciousness in this dimension, consciousness evolves, then the species will survive. If, if humanity is an expression, a manifestation of the evolving consciousness, if consciousness is able to use, so to speak, the human form as a vehicle, to manifest through, then human life is aligned with the purpose of the universe, which is the entire universe is in the process of awakening, where it's all going. Don't even attempt to understand with the human mind the vastness that is involved here and what the actual, where it actually is going. The, the universe is evolving Consciousness is growing. There is an, we live in an awakening universe. And if humans are aligned with that and become vehicles for that, then the, that's, what is the question? Then this will be, <laughs> oh yes, survival. <clears throat> then the human race will survive if it's aligned with the transcendent purpose of the universe. If not, then it will simply collapse and some other form will, consciousness, universal consciousness, there are countless forms through which it can blossom and express itself. So that's as simple as that, and perhaps this is a critical point in the, the evolution of humans. Are we able to, to reach the ne next stage in the evolution of human consciousness? which is what this is all about. Uh, is a sufficient number of humans able to reach the, the next stage of the evolution of consciousness? Or are we getting trapped in the egoic consciousness, unable to break out of it, in which case we would destroy ourselves through the unconsciousness that is in the, the, egoic, the egoic unconsciousness. There's a self-destruct mechanism in the ego. So that's as simple as that. I still have intuitively a sense that humanity will survive as a species, but even that is not entirely true because everything will evolve, even the, as 
consciousness continues to flow through us, even what we now perceive as the physical body is going to go through a metamorphosis. And so eventually, you can't even imagine where humans are going as they continue to be aligned with the awakening consciousness. So it's all good, I feel. Our chances are still good, long term. (laughs) Short term is a different matter because evolution happens not in a straight upward line. Evolution happens through disruption of order, chaos. Things break down, chaos happens. Out of the chaos, a new higher order arises. And then that prevails for a while. And then a time comes when that higher order also dissolves into chaos. And out of chaos, something new arises on every every level that applies. And so we are now moving into a, a period of disorder and breakdown, which is a great thing. from a transcendent point of view. And uh, our destiny is to reach the next stage. Humanity as it is now is not as a whole, it seems to me, is not ready to enter as a collective to the fourth state of consciousness. There are too many humans that are still totally trapped in ego including humans that are running this world, or especially those, I don't know whether they become especially unconscious when they go into, become part of these structures that run the world, or whether it attracts people who are already unconscious in that way, or when when they reach their position, they become unconscious, perhaps. All this is suffering provides the impulse for the awakening of consciousness. Obstacles, suffering, difficulties, all these things are necessary for the evolution of consciousness. All the things that seem to block the evolution of consciousness are actually necessary. I'm Oprah Winfrey, and you've been listening to Eckhart Tolle, Essential Teachings, the podcast. You can follow these essential teachings on Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you haven't yet, go to Spotify and follow this podcast. Join us next week for more enlightened teachings from Eckhart Tolle. Thank you for listening. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. At Amica Insurance, we know it's more than just a car or a house. It's the four wheels that get you where you're going and the four walls that welcome you home. 
When you combine auto and home insurance with Amica, we'll help protect it all. And the more you cover, the more you can save. Amica. Empathy is our best policy.